0: Traveling the
1: Vortex We've joined the doctor as he travels the vortex and grab your coat rack and your chicken vol events. It's episode 271. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm good. Got your chicken bowl event?
2: I do. Can I have it?
0: No, <laughs> Can I have it? I'm kind of off an angry I'm, earlier today.
1: I'm kinda hungry. Yeah. So. <laughs> did you guys have a good week?
0: Yes. <laughs> I can't think of what I did this week, but yeah, I had a good week. So I just happened
1: to be playing Lego Dimensions on the 3rd, and it flipped over past midnight, and I just happened to be on the 4th Doctor and realized, oh, I can see the alternate console room. So I finally got to see it. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was quite proud of myself that I remembered that it was the fourth. Because <laughs> I've had it since, like, Christmas, and I've had, like, two different opportunities at least. <laughs> Let alone however else you can get to it, because I think it's, like, every fourth So tries. was it a Oh, the fourth! Ah! <laughs> well, it was, uh, oh, no. I was already playing oh, you're it, already so played. it was, like, a nice bit of serendipity. Uh,
0: there's a so it was one of those, oh, yeah, it's the fourth. <laughs> I better turn into the fourth doctor.
1: Do you guys watch
2: anything good? We watched The Good Dinosaur. How was that? It was good. (laughs) (laughs) So it was the good, good dinosaur. It was the good, good dinosaur. Uh, Another Pixar not what I expected from the trailers. I had a little heads up from Sydney at work, and I'm glad he did. Um, It's a western with dinosaurs.
0: Huh.
2: Uh, We also watched uh, the Peanuts movie because I got a sneak copy at work, and it was delightful and wonderful and everything that I wanted and was really worried about it not being... Because, you know, Peanuts is one of those things, like, when, when they first announced it, I was like, ah, I do you're going to do it. This can be computer animated. It looks like a Peanuts cartoon.
0: Good. Hmm.
2: Cool. Loved it.
0: I didn't watch anything.
1: I, I didn't either, other than finishing up, catching on shows. Well, what do we got in the news this week, Keith? In the news, our friends over at Candy Jar Books have a new book coming out. Uh, big surprise that. They're gathering it's all... the book you think it is, either. Not, yeah. It's not they're, the book
0: you think we're talking about here.
1: They're gathering all the short stories and putting them in print for the Havoc Files. Uh, so, Hooray! we've got One Cold Ambush, One Cold Step, The Cult of the Grinny Man, The Dogs of War, The Fright Before Christmas, and then as a... Added bonus, the collection includes a never-before-released story, The Accord, written by our good friend Andy Frank of Allen, about which he says, I did play with with calling this one The Many Brigadiers, (laughs) as we are in the unique position of being able to deal with an issue that has plagued many a Doctor Who fan since the 1980s. And to break with tradition, this story is set outside the normal Lesbridge-Stewart narrative, taking place in 1990... I hope you prove to be a, a very different kind of story.
2: Color me intrigued.
1: Yeah. And if you. There will also be a brand new PDF short story with every copy of uh, Havoc Files purchased called In His Kiss, written by Sue Hampton. So that's very exciting.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to see when the release date is. I'm interested to see how uh, this short story that kind of brings the Briggs together is going to uh, work out. I I have a lot of faith in Andy, and I think that it'll it'll work well. Um, I'm just reading the little blurb that they've got. I've kind of got, I'm curious how this works, how this all fits together. Yeah. Should I
1: read that blurb aloud? Sure, let's do it. I think we're allowed now. The first half of 1969 was a busy time for Alastair Lethbridge-Stewart. Not only did his encounter with the great intellig- not only did he encounter the great intelligence more than once, and the Dominators, and the Quarks. He visited an alternate reality and encountered ghosts of F- On Fang Rock. But that was only the start. Did you hear about his transfer from Libya, or the mysterious cult of the Granny Man? What about the alien spheres at London, or then perhaps that bunker under London? Spheres at Christmas bunker under London. If not, then this book is for you—a collection of short stories previously not only, previously only available as digital downloads. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Includes brand new, never-before-published stories that sees the retired brigadier discovering the truth in the nineteen seventies, or was it the nineteen
2: eighties?
1: <laughs> uh, if you are interested in the Havoc Files, you better move quickly. It's going to be, at least at this point, a strictly limited edition print run of 300 copies. And only available from the Candy Jar Bookstore. Um, And then, of course, the new series of Lesper Stewart begins in April. I cannot find a release date. For Havoc Files. For Havoc Files.
0: We should uh, give a little tip of the hat to uh, Ben, who in his feedback last week had given a little taste of that this might be coming so, after talking to I presume he talked to Andy, somebody at Candy Bear anyway
2: Andy mentions the announcement is Monday so, maybe that's when it goes live for (coughs) ordering Uh, yes,
1: you can pre-order it when you hear this you can go online and pre-order this but I'm not sure when it releases I just can't find it Uh, when you pre-order it it'll let you know so you better pre-order just to make sure you get a copy, since there's only 300. Also in the news, there was a lot of big finish stuff happening this week. The first bit, which... Something we haven't quite delved into yet fully, is the Bernie Summerfield s- series proper. And she is getting a new Volume 3 of the new Adventures of Bernie Summerfield. And it's called the Unbound Universe. So somehow, Bernie Summerfield is going to team up with a rather different third incarnation of the Doctor, first introduced in the Unbound story is Sympathy for the Devil and Masters of War, played by National Treasure David Warner.
2: That was me. I'm really excited. (laughs) I haven't even listened to the other one yet. I don't care. David Warner.
1: So that's really exciting. I think that's a really cool idea that they're going to try to incorporate the
0: two. I think it'll be interesting if (coughs) it's Prime Universe Benny Mm -hmm. and somehow she ends up in the Unbound Universe because I think it would be interesting to kind of cross that and give it sort of a quasi-tie-in to Prime by injecting her into that universe. If this is just strictly a Benny from the Unbound universe, like an alternate Benny. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm sure they'll be amazing stories and they'll be yeah, really they'll good. Be, yeah. But I'd like to kind of see her bounced into the Unbound universe in some way so that this truly is a third series of, of Bernie, uh, Benny stories and it links the Unbound universe to the Prime universe. The brief cool.
1: synopsis we get leans that direction it. it says uh, we'll see the universe's greatest archaeologist recruited by the doctor for a mission to his parallel dimension ah. where together they set off to explore the aftermath of a disaster that has laid waste to reality also in this story is another returnee the master played by Mark Gatiss Ooh. under a stage named Sam Kisgart Ooh. So I'm not sure where he had been, if that was Unbound Master, or if that was a new uh, Big Finish mainline Like they've added
0: to it. One of these days we need to get the Unbound on here so that we can... Yeah. (laughs) Find out for sure. Yes. Ooh. Nope,
1: Nope, I'm sorry. It is for sure the Unbound Master, played by Mark Gatiss.
0: Ooh.
1: So if, if enough, that wasn't enough, if if National Treasure David Warner wasn't enough to pull you in, maybe Mark Gatiss will
2: get you excited for this. David Warner wasn't in National Treasure.
1: <laughs> the UK's National Treasure.
2: Oh. Yes. Yes, he is.
1: <laughs> so that'll be coming up in August and can be pre-ordered now. <clears throat> and then other big, big finish news. Diary of Riversong 2 is a go. Volu- or Series 2. And it will include Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy, which is pretty exciting. I've, I personally have listened to *Die Diary of River Song Series 1. And really like yeah, really liked how they handled uh, Paul McGann in it. So I really look forward to seeing how they handle the uh, Sixth and Seventh Doctors Excellent. and how they interact. Uh, I'm not going to give much of a synopsis there, just because it's kind of long. Uh, but then also we are getting a Churchill Years Volume 2 also out in 2017, Doctor Who Classic Doctors New Monsters Volume 2. So we kind of hope that we were going to get some more of that and we are for sure. Excellent.
0: Must be doing well.
1: Yeah. So all those are coming out in 2017.
0: Big things a foot at Big
1: Finish. Just when you think there's no Doctor Who news or no Doctor Who to listen to until 2017, there's plenty out there. Yeah. Thanks to Big it's Finish.
0: Continue to come.
1: And that's it for news. Alright. Well, let's move on to feedback then. Our feedback comes from Ben. Ben writes Add on to my last feedback if it's not too late. Well, Ben, it is, so we just <laughs> saved it for this week. <laughs> I but finally it is. I finally finished The Crooked World. Yep, you heard right. One of the earliest book club selections. At the time I quit after one chapter because it's cartoonishness was just too much for me. I, it's uh, it stayed lingering in my reading list on in Goodreads ever since. Recently, I made a decision to clean out my reading list, which I had ballooned to seven books. Crooked World was the next on my agenda and read another to read and clear off the list. It turned out to be really good. I'm sorry I didn't read it earlier, but I'm glad I had to read it now. That's it. Take care, guys. You're ahead of me, Ben. Me too. <laughs> I still haven't got to that one. I'm not sure if this was also one of his books, but he told me that he sat down and read The Novelization of Horror of Fang Rock in one go. Oh, wow. <laughs> and thought of Andy the whole time reading <laughs> <laughs>
0: Someday we'll have to put that on the uh, Yeah, I bet that's a really good That'd one. Be um, yeah, as yeah, no, soon available again, will throw it around. I right think Crooked World was the first book that I reviewed when we were doing individual <laughs> re- reviews on this program, probably three years ago four years ago yeah i think so so it's been that long since i've read it but i and then know, it I became a book club book later yeah, yeah i thoroughly enjoyed that one so all right well excellent move along
1: move along move along all right we shall move on to our review of frontios An irresistible force draws the tardis to the barren surface of frontios where, in the far future, the last surviving humans cower amongst the ruins of their wrecked spacecraft. Under constant threat from from lethal meteorite bombardments, few of the doomed colony members realize that the ground of Frontios itself opens up and devours the unwary. Not permitted to assist, the Doctor attempts to leave, but is thwarted when the unimaginable occurs. The TARDIS is utterly destroyed. All the while, burrowing undetected below the planet's crust sickening alien parasites prepared to prepare a gruesome and final fate for all humanity
0: i don't usually do these but i think i feel like i have to do this one to kind of flesh out what i how i felt of this story this was a dun 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 cuz i really liked the ending of this i like that the the finale and the wrap up of this was quite clever i thought um I say clever. I, say, I should say fun and enjoyable is what it really <laughs> was. There was no, they didn't really reach outside the bounds of any sort of thinking in order to wrap it up, but it kind of went a direction I didn't expect.
1: I could see that. I, I found this one overall fairly enjoyable. Um, there was a bit in them. I, I, I think have this problem with most Peter Davison stories is uh, they're slow to start for me. And then once we get to the first cliffhanger and into the kind of the, the rhythm of the story, it starts to pick up and I start enjoying it more and more uh, kind of progressively throughout the story, usually with Peter Davidson stories. So it's when it's a four-parter, it really starts ramping up, and I, like you, really enjoy the conclusion. But the the, the epic f- first cliffhanger was amazing, <laughs> the of the TARDIS being destroyed. And, of course, we know it's not really it's just a, destroyed. Is it amazing, though? I mean, but it, because- it was...
0: If I had well, when I did watch this, and I, I, I have very fuzzy memory of watching this when I was a kid, because that's how long ago it's been since I saw this one. But I think I remember going, "Oh, what what are they going to do next?" I wasn't as invested in Doctor Who as I am now, yeah. but I do think I do re- sort of remembering, "Wow, is he without the TARDIS now? Is this is that it?" Um, and then, but knowing I- that now that they. He gets it back. Well, exactly. I mean, but it's, the it, fact
1: that they did also actually destroy it. I mean, you get to the end of the story and it's in pieces and it's the alien that has to pull it back together.
0: I do appreciate so, that they went there with that. Yeah,
1: so it, 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 that doesn't lessen the impact of that first cliffhanger for me because the fact that they did actually, it didn't just sink through a hole. It's not they just. They did have to address it. It, yeah. it was actually destroyed. I mean, it's. Yeah.
0: Except for it doesn't seem nearly as destroyed as it seems at the beginning. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it gets destroyed and sucked under. Right.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> all that's left is that coat rack. And it just had some great moments in it, too, with Turlo defending, uh, fending off the people with the coat rack. And, and normally I'm not a big Teagan fan. And really, she was quite enjoyable in this story. I don't know if it's... Because it's later in her run, or why, or if she was written differently, but I, I liked how they kind of traded off but Tegan was off doing her thing, with, and then the Doctor and Turlo, and then they switched, and it was the Doctor and Tegan, and Turlo doing off his thing. And then also the fact that we get a little bit of Turlo's back, at least species' backstory. That was a nice added touch.
2: And technically, the first inkling of some backstory with Turlo.
1: yeah.
0: I mean, really? Other, uh, yeah. Other, yeah th- first than alien, trying to kill the doctor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, other than knowing that he's from off planet, that he's not an Earthling. Yeah. That's right. really only the only thing that the Black Guardian trilogy gives us is yeah. the, the fact that uh, we know he's not of Earth.
1: And it does make the the all of a sudden backstory and Planet of fire not seem, feel so all of a sudden now. Having this, had we watched it in the right order, it wouldn't have felt so. Hey, look, here's the story. Goodbye.
0: Yeah. Um. You're talking about Tegan, and I, I I sort of agree with you in the sense that I like Tegan in this story a lot. But I I've I found I have always liked Tegan when it's the Doctor Tegan and Turlough. Yeah, I've always that's... I've always had no problem with Tegan in it. That it's it's Tegan early on. It, it takes her it takes a long time to get used to her. Um, I think it's because and we've mentioned this before. She she continually wants to get off the TARDIS. She's continually complaining. She's continually whining about every situation that she's put in. Understandably so because she doesn't want to be there. Unlike a lot of companions that kind of go along for the ride, yeah. she doesn't want to be there, and she never really feels like she fits in. And I think it's when she decides to return when in Ark of Infinity that it suddenly starts to turn and get better. But it really from, I think, the, the five Doctors, I think even the Awakening I liked Tegan. Uh, well, that's the Tilo. one right before this. Yeah, uh, this and then Resurrection, which unfortunately then is her last story. So, which and she's
1: she's enjoyable in of the Deep too. Yes, so I think you're right. I think it's it's that moment where she anytime comes back in Arc of prepared, Infinity.
0: Yeah, anytime she's well, I think it, that's where it's there's a there's a, it starts it begins, but I don't think it really solidifies until maybe even the five Doctors is where it really kind of becomes a much better team. The yeah. the team Tardis feels a lot better there. Uh, and Tegan being a a, a full fledged member at that time. I I thought this story was interesting but doesn't really feel like it goes anywhere until about the third story, about the third part when the pill bugs flow, uh show up or the uh the, uh, <laughs> the <roly-polies>. Tractators <laughs> which I still that name sounds so corny, Tractator. It sounds yeah. like it sounds like potatoes you'd grow on yeah. a track, you know. <laughs> Those are tractators. Tractators. Um, <clears throat> but when they start showing up and <clears throat> we start to kind of get I guess it's when they've the mystery of what's below the planet, what's sucking people down beneath the earth and the the unaccounted for deaths and there's a lot of this like political intrigue and it's the last colony, the last earth colony ever, and there's this weird dynamic of rulership. And military hierarchy. And it's almost like they've, they're, it's kind of a lame duck administration because while the the kid tries to be very tough and a benevolent ruler, he just comes off as this kind of weak, wannabe, fascist leader. And he really isn't. And it's not until the doctor saves his life that he kind of lightens up and you kind of realize what kind of person he really is. And unfortunately, then to get sucked down underneath the <laughs> earth, and you're like, "We well, are just getting to know the nice part of this guy." Um, so it it kind of middles along there for a while, and it yeah, does, I never it's get the,
1: it's the politics above the surface is what's kind of meandering. I it.
0: never get bored with it because it still continues to interest me and draw my attention. So attention, attention, attention. So it never gets boring, but it just it's kind of there. It's kind of yeah, okay. I, I'm enjoying the the little fun bits, like when he sends Turgan and uh, Turgon. <laughs> Turlo and T- Tegan, Tur- Turgon. That's that's it's, that's, it's, that's, it's that's one companion now. Yeah. <laughs> Tegan and Turlo off to get whatever the things were that he needed from the Tardis, and they can't get past the door because it's been pretty much welded or uh, squeezed shut. They come back and they have those that little moment, the little joke, and I don't remember how it goes. You guys remember how better how it went about you uh,
2: can't get through the door did you bring the stuff no it's oh, of course it's behind oh, the door, the door. <laughs> yeah
0: it's there's there's little lines like that in this that are that make it quite enjoyable and they're, they're they're just fun little quippy lines um but it really isn't until they get down and start investigating the tractators and what was the 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 main guy the main tractators name gravis gravis yeah so it's not until that starts playing out that It really starts to get interesting for me and then like i say i think it it kind of ramps up from there and
1: And there are other great moments in the beginning of that too where the doctor's playing tegan off as his android. (laughs) excuse me and he's like yeah she's not that great and she's got a weird accent but you know (laughs) it was just it's there was a lot of nice humor in the beginning part of it which needed which was needed to balance out kind of the gruffness and the political maneuvering going well, on. I think
0: those little quippy, hum- humorous moments yeah, Maintained throughout the entire thing, too. Yeah. So, while they're there, kind of supporting the story early on, they're a bonus to the story later on.
2: This almost feels like a different Fifth Doctor than what we get through most of Peter Davison's run. Because the first instance of the Doctor showing up in the story is some very loud hammering coming from behind <laughs> the wall. Which is either him rummaging through a closet, fixing something, or, as I like to believe, bludgeoning Chameleon to death. <laughs> off camera. Which is why Chameleon's not in this story. Because <laughs> chronologically, to, he should be. Maybe he's trying to fix Chameleon. <clears throat> sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> clang, clang, clang. <laughs> there's
1: with there's a only a couple wrench. more episodes after that that he shows back up.
0: Well, you notice, well, you weren't on Friday Night Who, but you noticed about Two thirds of the way through, I went. Oh Wait yeah. a minute, where's, T- where's Where's T? Where's uh, Chameleon? In all of this, it wasn't too long after it
1: exploded that or was destroyed.
2: There's apparently a fan theory that Chameleon was disguised as the coat rack. Yeah, I saw somebody.
0: <laughs> I saw somebody tweet that back at me, and I thought, okay, but that means they left Chameleon then at uh, Frontios with the. Uh, maybe crew they went. Because. Maybe they
1: went and got the actual coat rack and swapped them out <laughs> real quick.
0: Oh, well, he said we had
2: another one somewhere. We'll have a pair. But I mean, the first, uh, yeah. the, the first line the Doctor gives is, you're not hat people, are you? Hats for wearing. No? Okay, we can get rid of it. And it's just, it's very out of left field for, for the Fifth Doctor. It's not something that, it almost feels more like a Fourth Doctor remark than a,
0: well, than a Fifth Doctor. In that respect, it kind of comes across as a, it's almost like a last bit of house cleaning from the Fourth Doctor's era to me. Yeah, had wait the, hat, this. the Kodak, the coat rack was always there. The hat rack, I suppose they're calling it, was always there. the Scarf and the hat hung on it. it. wasn't used that much in the Fifth Doctor's era. So it seems to me that it would, at least early on, it feels like a late bit of house cleaning. Okay, the, the final remnants of the Fourth Doctor's era have been swept away because we we've now kind of solidified ourselves, and, and the Fifth Doctor is now the the reigning Doctor. People have gotten used to the new Doctor, and. And it isn't until later that you kind of realize that it was more of them calling attention to the hat rack because it's going to be it's vital gonna, yeah. later on, yeah. twice, because it's going to be the only thing remaining when the TARDIS is destroyed, and then it's going to become a <laughs> weapon later.
2: <laughs> he also gets the, uh, the brilliant bit uh, between him and the uh, administrator when they first come down, <coughs> when he asks him about...
0: We need to get oh, you a cough
2: button. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, when he asks him, what do you think about this? And the doctor kind of goes off on him well, I think that your colony is unsurvivable, and I think you're down to the blah, 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 and I think this is happening, and you did ask. <laughs> and just kind of lets him have it, and it's like, go doc, you know. So he, he's very um, animated? Yeah. I, I think when,
1: while watching it, I thought of For of Doomsday. Yeah. It feels almost more like that doctor that kind of starts off and then kind of mellows out, apparently, and is running and ramps back up kind of near the end.
2: Well, and it's interesting that there's only two companions in it. Yeah, that's that, true. That we're, we're not dealing with Adric. We're not dealing with the addition of Nyssa and the other two. I mean, we, we, we just have two. And that maybe that really does play into his ability to, uh, you know, manage things <laughs> a little bit better. Interestingly enough, with the destruction of the TARDIS, um... The producers apparently intended to remove the TARDIS from the show completely. Really, that was all done on purpose, and they they were going to create the impression that the Doctor and his companions were stuck at the end of the universe. Um, but when the the Gravis repaired the TARDIS, the idea was was scrapped, and they never went back to revisit it. Now I don't know how that hmm. would have worked because obviously the producer commissioned the script to be written. And maybe he gave him just enough to say, we want you to not destroy the TARDIS, we want to get rid of it. And the writer being the writer went, well, obviously I have to return to the status quo at the end of the episode, so... Okay, yeah. <laughs> I got rid of it, and they were all excited. And then the final part came back in when they went, oh. Well, okay, we'll just do <laughs> it. was such an important part of the story, too. Well, and... It, it, that's
1: a kind of a cool back behind the scenes, but it's in, with the doctor being so insistent that we can't stay here. We need to leave. Yeah, it's important yeah, yeah. to have that TARDIS taken away.
0: Yeah, that seems inconsequential in my opinion because it doesn't feel like it was ever meant to be an end. And the TARDIS being destroyed becomes an integral part of the finale of it. So it it sort of while that might be true, it sort of is inconsequential to the fact that it, does, it doesn't matter because that was part of the story, so it wasn't like they said, okay, this is a way to get rid of it, and then decided, well, no, we kind of want to keep it. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, you know?
2: it, it seems strange to me, yeah. too. But,
0: yeah,
2: um, I was real excited with the first part of this. I kind of go the reverse of, of of Glenn's feelings. Like The first episode, I think, is really strong and it sets up what feels like is going to be a great story, and then it just kind of begins to meander in the politics up above, and you get the standard tropes of there's the military mindset of this guy who's not going to play ball with anybody, and here's the scientist, and here's the you know this person, and then we've got this underworld threat that's going to cause all kinds of havoc, and and they play out their parts, and it just kind of becomes a meh kind of standard. Uh, Doctor Who episode. I was a little bummed by that, because it was, you know, based on the strength of the opening, and Peter Davidson being Peter, you know, Davidson from Fort of Doomsday. I was like, all right, cool, we're going to get something new. Um, I had not seen this one before, so it was kind of all new to me. Um, the only thing I really knew about it was that the Brainy Specs apparently featured fairly heavily in the episode because they were on the <laughs> cover of the DVD.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Which I did not buy. Now I kind of wish I had, just to, you know, <laughs> cross it off the list. But, um... When I, I mentioned this earlier, and I feel bad saying this, so bear with me here a moment. I like Peter Davidson. I really genuinely will do. I find the more Peter Davidson episodes that I watch, I'm not enamored with the episodes that he's in. And I don't know if it's the time, or the Team TARDIS, or or just what was happening with the show, that they're watchable. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a couple of them are really, really good. They're watchable. But they just don't seem to grab me for some reason and I think part of it if you had had Tom Baker in this episode the charisma that he exudes on a normal basis (laughs) I think would be enough to overcome some of the shortcomings with either script or monster design because the, 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 the tractators are laughably bad
0: See, I I disagree. I I really liked the design of the the Tractators. And I think that that they were, for being bug-eyed monsters, they were far above and beyond a lot of the stuff we got through, uh, both the third and fourth Doctor era as far as alien design. Um, Now, you could argue that I keep calling them a pill bug, and you could argue that they're anthropomorphized. anthropomorphized, But I really thought the the design was kind of inspiring the faces are a bit plastic and unmoving, but I think that because of the limitations that they had at the time, like, that's that's the most excusable thing. So I was actually quite pleased with the design of the, really? the monster. Really, that's yeah. interesting
2: because yeah, I mean they just
0: yeah they kind of look like
2: I guess pill bugs as well. Really, I was kind of thinking cockroaches, but or well, kind um, of that roly poly back, yeah, so, the, the segmented yeah. back on
0: them. And, um, I guess for anybody that. Is from up north. Crawdads maybe know, is a... Oh, I don't know. They don't look like crawdads. Because well, they no. had kind of the flared base. A little bit. Maybe a little bit. But if anybody yeah. doesn't know what a the pill bottom. bug is, I think in the north they call them roly-polies. Or maybe pullies. I have it flip-flopped. But Oh, so they're one and the same. Okay. They are the one and yeah. the same. Sorry. Depends on the region you live. And, and we, we... I grew up in the south. Well, no. I didn't grow up in the south. I grew up in the southern part of this state. We called them pill bugs. We also called fireflies lightning bugs. So... <laughs>
2: They're lightning bugs, and I've always known them as... Uh, rolly polies Roly-polies. Um, tuck and roll from Bugs Life. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I knew what he was. I just never heard them called as a, a pill bug. But, um, I don't know. I just I, I, I was impressed that we got as many of them as we did. Yeah. And I was impressed that we got as many uniforms... Uh, as we because the I, I, I keep wanting to say military presence and it's not it's um, well it the, is the colony yeah it's, it's expedition more of the hierarchy yeah, yeah. Um, they they were it was a sharp outfit the gray with the red you know highlights and uh, it, was, it was a good looking uniform clearly I mean,
0: they didn't have a printer though because they wrote the numbers yeah they wrote them. <laughs> them.
2: but they you know there were a lot of them there was a lot of, there were there were several scenes taking place out in the little courtyard area that it's like. Dude, that's a lot of costuming going on there The the fact that there was
1: that many Cast members in it
2: It was a large group uh, Even though some of it was non-speaking roles There was a lot going on there So that was uh, impressive Um, Yeah, the design of the monster I just was going, eh It just just didn't do it for me Especially for being What a fantastical threat With their gravity waves That almost was and um, I think that's another part of it. Is the- I,
1: I, I did like the idea of what they were trying to do. Also, is they were burrowing to make a to move the planet itself. That's that seems a very new series idea. That it's kind of nice to have that tie in. To nope, that was a the, the new
2: series idea is actually an old series idea. Well, the Daleks did that, and they were going to hollow out Earth and put engines in it and drive it around. Yeah, that yeah, was Dalek Invasion of Earth. Oh, yeah, that was, oh, way, that back was way back. That's why I brought that up on Friday yeah, night, too. That's that, right. Where have you
0: heard this before? But you were thinking. <laughs> I was featured forward, yeah. yeah.
1: it's. I guess it's just a nice recurring theme in Doctor Who: Moving Planets. Because <laughs> Telos does the same thing, but they don't say how Telos Right,
0: moves. they don't explain how they're moving Telos. Um, well, Mondos. Actually, Mondos. Yeah, Sorry. Mondos. Um, actually, Spare Parts kind of. <laughs> yeah, they explain it there, but not on. Uh, on television.
2: cat ca- uh Castleflex. What's the name of it? Um Castleflex. Um Pirate Planet. Um oh that's right, yeah. That one moves yeah, too yeah,
0: yeah that one moves too. It goes and what eats the, eats the, the other can- uh, planets uh I know what you're talking about.
1: Now he's getting up and walking around I don't know so um, <laughs> I think that
0: going, going back to something that, that Sean said, I think oh. that uh, we see the fifth doctor the way we kind of saw him in F- for oh, to Doomsday and the way Richard, you kind of look out. at it it's uh, that's pre-adric and this is post Adric. And I sort of wonder if we get the type of Doctor that we do between the Earthshock story and maybe to this point, I think he was even kind of lightening up, I think, before this story as well, or returning to that kind of Fifth Doctor that we enjoyed in Fort of Doomsday. I think maybe it's because they felt like the Fifth Doctor needed a mourning period and couldn't be as kind oh. of uh, charismatic and lighthearted and, uh, as he was because of the events that, that came in Earthshock. And so I'm wondering if maybe this is the point where the mourning period sort of ends and wears off. And maybe that's why Tegan is much more enjoyable because as a whole, the stories are a little... The the mood is a little lighter with with, uh, the crew because we've gotten Adric behind us. And so perhaps that might lend to the reason why the Doctor sort of returns to that type of character. Now, unfortunately, this comes very near the end of the the Doctor's era as well. So it's almost a too little too late... Yeah. Um, by the time the Doctor ends up leaving in Planet of No, uh, Caves of Adrasani, although Planet of Still Fire and Caves of Adrasani sort of take a similar tone, and you can't have that same type of Fifth Doctor that we get in Fort of Doomsday, that we get in yeah. Awakening, Frontios, uh, even Remembrance of the Daleks. Although he does get a little more dark, and I mean, as we recall him carrying and running around with the, the gun and being more action. Uh, and less passive, but
1: yeah. Unfortunately, this is kind of the last one where he is a bit more fun, because yeah. then it's that downward to the
0: regeneration. Because it's, well, it's just the three stories after this, right? But there's there's moments in the caves even where I think he's more
2: well because there's resurrection,
1: and then it goes because that's where Tegan leaves resurrection and then a
0: fire,
2: fire, and then and but then no,
0: she comes caves of Adrinusani. No, but she's already come back. Yeah, at this she came point back in Ark of Infinity. While we were still with Nissa, I
2: thought she came back after she decided because she decides in Resurrection that the adventures are too violent. She
0: decides in the one with the Concord uh, time flight. Oh, that's right. And she and she leaves, but decides that she's going to go ahead and get back on the TARDIS. But they leave without her. Yeah, and And because she's back at Heathrow, and I think the Doctor presumes that well, she's here. She can figure out how to get way back to (laughs) Australia. (laughs) And So it's not in Ark of Infinity where she's going through Denmark. It was Denmark, yeah. And because she's looking for her cousin to help her, Amsterdam, where she's looking to help her cousin. And uh, she meets back up with the 5th Doctor. And and then she's with them all the way up until Resurrection. And it isn't until Resurrection where she finally gets fed up and says, that's it, I'm leaving now. She does come back to the point as the TARDIS is is, uh, dematerializing. So there is that second... Perhaps second thought, she might have rejoined the TARDIS had the doctor had not already taken off. So she'll learn her lesson the first time. Although I've, I get the impression she really felt left behind in uh, Time Flight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although she did nothing but complain and want to get off the TARDIS and get home <laughs> up until that point. So I can't blame the doctor for going, okay, see you later, and leaving.
1: And, and knowing her departure in Resurrection of the Daleks because it's so violent and not fun anymore. I kind of expected this story to be more traumatic for her. Like this would help spur on that reasoning, other than just the Dalek story. And I don't feel like there was enough here to warrant to to add that weight to that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Unfortunately that's The Daleks
1: what are, we- are yes, bad enough that they could easily make that somebody and you think back to Adric and other people that they've lost throughout this time. While she's on board, it makes sense in the long scheme. But I kind of expe- i almost expected more of a quick build-up of a couple of stories of being kind of tragic and.
0: Well, I think she sees a change in the tone and the mood of the Doctor as well, and I think that that's something that she doesn't want to see again. And I think yeah. that that's also lends to the reason why she leaves. But.
2: I think it's also partially the looking at it through a new Who lens. Where That's you, know, true. you you, you, you <laughs> They you gave would, some forethought to exactly, how they're going to leave, ver- versus you know, in, in the originals when it was just kind of like, and in this oh, episode going up. to do this. Oh poor
0: Dodo. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't even get a <laughs> goodbye. goodbye. She got an off-camera Ben and Polly. Well, Dodo said to say goodbye. So <laughs> where is she? I don't know. She's hanging out at a
2: nightclub. Must leave. <laughs> but what about the? No, we're we're leaving. Okay.
0: Course it could have been a Sarah Kingdom or a Katarina <laughs> where they no, just pff, they're gone. <laughs> Even uh Vicky when we get to uh The Myth Makers, I believe it is, uh she does she gets a bit of an unceremonious parallel as well. <laughs> Somewhat. I think it might have been it might have come across better in the actual story had we but if we were able to see it, but in the uh reconstruction version of it it seems a bit quick. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I don't want to tease anymore. <laughs> I thought uh, Brazen... I just, it just occurred to me that I just went through three companions leaving that neither of you guys have seen, so I apologize <laughs> for that. Damn Glenn spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought Brazen
1: was a great human villain to have in the story, too. I, as, he was one of those great villains that you really liked hating. And then the fact that the doctor still has to wind up teaming up with him at the end,
0: and I I think uh, almost to the point that villain seems like a very strong word for him because he's really kind of the adversary, but he's not really villainous. I mean, he can be the cover up at the beginning, but there's sort of a reason for that. The uh, trying to set the scientific uh, advisor up very confrontational in in responsibility because they have uncovered the uh, unconfirmed deaths file. And so, but that even kind of turns in a way that when he realizes what's that there's more to it, and yeah. he he's discovering that there he that there's information that he didn't know about. So suddenly he sort of turns again back to more helpful, and then yes, again then turning to having to, to team up with uh, the doctor. But but then kind of more kind of a gallant uh, demise for him in the sense yeah. that he really does he it's unfortunate that he's knocked back into the drilling machine and is taken on by it but also you get the impression that he took control of it and just pretty much destroyed a, a good chunk yeah. of the tunneling and died in the process and destroyed the machine in the process yeah. as well so i
1: thought it, it was a fitting uh, end to the character it I was
0: thought. it was it was a bit noble and maybe redemptive for him yeah. just being a real jerk the whole time <laughs> so that's Especially what I'm the i The villain games, but... is a little strong you're right. He was the villain. He was a villain in this, but he's not the villain in this. Right, and it's yeah. more of an adversarial role rather than a villainous role. In, he, in he's the opinion. person
1: that plays the villain until the actual villain shows until, up. That's
0: right. <laughs> the part of the villain will be filled. by. <laughs> I found him
2: to be almost frustrating because he was the villain or the adversary or you know whatever word we're using, and th- therefore <laughs> I can't like him. But I really wanted to
0: like him. Yeah. Well there's a scorby level. There's times yeah. that he turns to the fact that you go, okay, maybe I do like this guy. No, I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's why I don't like this guy. Okay, I remember now.
1: <laughs> and the actor playing the the, the role just kind of he just—he almost stole every scene he was in because he was doing such a good job with the character. Yeah,
0: he's almost on the verge of scenery chewing, but he's he rails it back just enough that you don't get that impression. Yeah. But you can kind of see that it, there's some potential that it could have. Yeah.
2: You know, my buddy James and I actually had a discussion about that recently, and I don't know if it's because, as an English actor growing up in England and going to school in England, you are surrounded and impermeated with Shakespeare. It's It's just... You have the bar set here by the bard. You know, it's just, you you kind of are are steeped in that culture, and you have to kind of hit that. And so, I I kind of think that when these guys come on to Doctor Who, in any guest star capacity, it doesn't matter to them that it's Doctor Who. It doesn't matter that it's science fiction. It doesn't matter that it's a low-budget thing. They're shooting for that bar, versus a guest star that maybe comes on to an American science fiction show and kind of goes, eh, you know, I'm going (laughs) to I'm just gonna. I'm here to do this because any of these guys, if you go back and watch any of these little guest stint performances of I am the the pseudo villain or I am the this or I am the, they have the conviction <laughs> of saints behind them that what they're doing <laughs> is right. Every single one of them in just about every episode we've watched has been committed.
0: Just. In some, the, the over, some too committed. Some too committed. Some,
2: some <laughs> do the result in scenery chewing. They push
0: it to the other direction. Let me, let me take it one step further because I don't know that it's specifically Shakespeare because I think a lot of British playwrights write their villains in this way. And I think Shakespeare probably did it best or maybe emphasized it most. But I think that it's it's that... I think a lot of British playwrights write that similar style of villain, the the very scene chewing, uh, yeah, scene chewing villain. However, I don't know that that's a hundred percent of why that is the case, as much as it is that pantomime is very popular over there has been for many years and in pantomime which is primarily children's shows that are done around christmas time that is very much in style of the villain you go in and you're you're very much the heavy villain with the the scenery chewing uh performance and i think that maybe that's what transfers to i'm going to be on a children's television program and Doctor Who is already low budget, and and rubbery monster suit monsters, and at least is the I perception. To elevate everything and so else. I think they go into it with a pantomime uh, uh, mentality as well, and so I think maybe that's what comes across. But maybe that's why pantomime is like that because of the uh, the Bard and other British playwrights. I
2: think you're right. It, um, perhaps I misspoke. It's I, I agree with you on the on the villain part, but it's not just even even the guy who played the, the scientist. Um, you know, even he brought the A-game And I think it's acting in general Because, you know, as we all know The English are all great actors That's why they win all the Academy Awards And it's just, oh, he's English, okay, give him an award <laughs> And so, I think it's I think it's just the fact that that's, that's the culture That's how it is, you know It's what, certainly the culture What, what it's are you doing? Product this like, oh, I'm going to appear on Doctor Who And everything is everything. Well, I, is I, think, I think a lot of that, that is the
1: fact so. that so many of the actors Do more stage than American actors do Right that, that so So they get better acting shots because it's so much harder to act on stage than it is on stage. Well, it's because you... It's you, different
0: kind of acting. It's but. because you do have to project and you do have to emphasize. And yeah. so that comes across that way. And, and shows like Doctor Who are shot in very much the same way as a stage play. Well, especially in the classic era, yeah. In the U.S. when they were making television programs they were shot in the in very much the same way as film always has been here because this is sort of the home of film There, theater is what it is and so i think you're yeah. right i think they come to it with very much a theater mentality of performance and so that especially
1: way. and especially with when it's set up to be like a, a a play on stage i mean how many times in when watching like the hartnell behind the scenes stuff that they refer to them more like plays than television
0: yeah because I, I'll watch a lot of uh, 60s, 70s, 80s British sitcoms, and they're very much the same way. There's a lot of performance and exaggeration in the characters. Yeah. And, yeah, you're probably more specific to what what, what <laughs> we're hitting on. It's the it's the performance actors of a stage play, and they're so ingrained in that 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 comes across in television. That's well. yeah. a good point, Keith. I like that. So it circles all the way back around to Shakespeare because... Who's, who's the <laughs> penultimate stage yeah. the
1: writer and performer? There would be Shakespeare. So you're right, Sean. It's just broader of an idea than that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Anything else on the story? Um, I'm a bit sad that we're, for the most part, done with uh, Fifth Doctor stories. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any that we have not... Legopolis. <laughs> I can't think of any that we have not done... With the exception of Legopolis, <laughs> which we can't do until, uh, Yeah. Uh, sadly, that starts... Last. <laughs> last. And this is my last That's Turlo start. story, too. Well, again. Legopolis and Castrovalva. We haven't done Castrovalva, either. Oh, Castrovalva's the one yeah. I meant, not Legopolis. Yeah. Legopolis, well, is Legopolis. is Legopolis is his beginning, Castrovalva is his start. <laughs> yeah.
2: Either way, it's yeah. last.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um... But beyond that, there's nothing else, right? We've all, done all, yeah. everything that's, that's Fifth Doctor that we can do. I believe so.
1: And I said this on Friday Night Who, but I've really grown to like Turlo as a character, and I, I, I now want to really go and watch his stories in order to see his growth throughout them. Because he has that that great bit where he's... Talking about how nobody expects him to go back down there because he's Turlo, and then he does. So that that's just a, such a great mark of character growth throughout his time on the show that I want to see that progress in order.
0: I, and I said it before on Friday, and I say it again. I think that you should go back, and I think I'm going to do this now to go back and now watch Turlo's story from the beginning to Planet and, and of see Fire. It get there. Yeah, from the Black Guardian trilogy all the way up, and before we go meet him. It uh, uh, time eighty two in Wichita in yeah, October, October. So. so we got plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. although at the rate we watch Doctor Who, we probably ought to start doing it now. Just in case. Oh, I can watch it a lot on my own. <laughs> well, like, no, I, I think <laughs> I think that's what we'll end up doing. Yeah. but I mean, I, I know that the best laid plans. There is yes. a good chunk of Turlo in there that has yeah, to be that's done true. before October. Yeah. And, if you're, of course, this summer when shows are over, it'll be a lot easier to do that because yeah. there won't be a lot of stuff on the way. Well, for you, not for me, because I'll have to be catching up on <laughs> spring television. Well, I, I still haven't gone back
1: to finish off my Buffy and Angel rewatch. so there you go. So so. I, I'll mix that in with it.
0: <laughs> you can just kind of pepper it in. I,
1: I tend to juggle. I don't like to mainline too much. So.
0: Well, I think that, that sometimes Doctor Who is best done uh, – in small pieces and even maybe a, a ep- episode at a time I, I, not I've necessarily done, a story at a yeah
1: time i've done that year. uh fairly recently as some of the stories i've been watching has just been an episode a night
0: yeah so that might be the way to, to go about doing yeah. it as well
2: a couple of additional fun uh and some not so fun behind the scenes things uh uh norna uh leslie dunlop went on to uh, reappear in dr who in the happiness patrol
0: she oh. looked vaguely
2: familiar yeah um it was during the rehearsals for the story that Colin Baker had been announced as the new actor to take over the Doctor because Peter Davison had decided that he was going to leave the show by this time. And then uh, a couple of tragedies uh, struck production. The uh, production designer...
0: Sorry. <laughs> Apparently we've landed.
1: We ought to start using that for the uh <laughs>
2: Um, the production designer Barry Dobbins uh, died before the, the the production had been completed, I guess, but before they actually started work on the show, uh, which was later revealed to be a suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was shortly after that that an actor named Peter Arne, who had been hired to play Mr. Range, was murdered after a costume fitting. He went home and didn't report for work the next day, wow. and uh, so there were there were a couple of big. Uh, Shockwaves that kind of hit as they were uh, were filming.
0: Hmm. Sort of amazing that they could remain as light in the story yeah. as they did, oh, really, with all this that surrounding it. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Way to bring it down, Sean. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> might turn into ten o'clock news. <laughs> I think bottom line on this story is it's an enjoyable one, but I don't know if it's one. Even if it were no longer on moratorium, I would rush out to go buy right away. If I saw it at a good enough discount, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll pick that one up."
0: You don't think you're going to see that on discount? <laughs>
1: <basically>, Not <coughs> anytime soon. Attest.
2: That's one of the frustrating things I think about it at this at point. At this point is, now, yeah. You know, I, would I like to own it? Yeah, absolutely, I want to own all of them. That's one of the reasons, I, I, well, it's not one of the reasons. I, I can do own say own now one. it is one of the reasons that I, I put it off toward the end. A I do own copy. copy. I, mean, I, do I, own. I, I think I own it twice, actually.
0: I own it on iTunes. So it's, I, I've just come to the grips that part of my uh, Doctor Who collection is just going to have to be digital because that's really the only way you can get them at any sort of uh, rate. Unfortunately, you don't get all that great extra material that way either. So.
2: But on the plus side, it's a bit more affordable.
0: It is, yeah. I think I paid six bucks for four episodes. So. Yeah,
2: it's currently running forty nine ninety
0: nine oh, yeah. on, uh, on better Amazon. Than I it's
2: jumped up than from the last time I checked on it. Although, interestingly enough, they still have one VHS tape copy <laughs> that includes the Awakening and Frontiers for only thirty. Oh, on hey, well, so hey. it's cheaper on VHS. Dig out the old VHS player.
0: <laughs> I still have one hooked up, so.
2: The novelization's only $2 for a hardcover.
0: I wonder what... what oh. I that wonder, may you what to do. Maybe you should yeah. Just go slip the hardcover uh, editions of the novelization <laughs> between your DVDs on the shelf. You could do that with all the missing stuff, too. There you too. go.
1: <laughs> Read the book. Some of the novelizations are about as thick as the DVDs,
0: too. It's true. <laughs> Some a little thinner. <laughs> Although I don't know that all the novelizations were done in hardback, were they?
2: No, not all of them. I don't think. Not all of them. I had a couple. I had. I had Twin Dilemma.
0: I have Day of the Daleks in with it's a hardback. It's missing the uh, dust dust cover, but it's so it looks like just a book with a print. That, that, title that's inside,
2: that, yeah. that was what my it was blue. Yes, yeah, white. It's mm-hmm. white blue white print.
0: Actually, I think it's kind of a, maybe a gold emboss. But <clears throat> all right, anything else on this particular story that we want to talk about?
2: I don't think so. All right, well, what
0: do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean?
2: Well, coming up on the schedule, uh, next week, uh, Friday Night Who on March 11th, we're watching The Hand of Fear, Eldred Must Live. Yes. uh, Which will uh, set us up nicely uh, for our book review next week, which was the Traveling the Vortex Book Club selection for the month of February. (coughs) Some of us are still... uh, Working Finishing on it. it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still still working on it, but we're we're. we're I'm
0: uh, almost done with March's book.
2: I saw you had a really quick update on. It was like bam, drop yeah. the mic. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, it's good. It's a quick read and it's it's enjoyable.
2: Which I don't think we announced last week
1: because we didn't know it. March's book is what Glenn Deep Time. Yeah,
0: with uh, uh, Trevor, the Backstall. 12, yep, Tra- Trevor Backstall. Yep, Trevor Yeah Uh, Twelfth Doctor and Clara story. It's actually the third part of what are called the Glamour Chronicles. Um, However, I have been assured, and it doesn't seem to uh, have changed the texture or tone of the, the story, not knowing anything about the Glamour. It sounds like the first two in the Glamour series just really is more of a chronological and perhaps a name drop because... They're just now, at the end of this book, getting to the meat of what the Glamour is. Ah. So, um, you won't miss anything if you haven't read the first and second story in the Glamour Chronicles. That's good. Uh, chronicles.
1: So so the, um, the synopsis on Goodreads says it ties into the ninth season. Does it tie in pretty heavily other than 12 and Clara?
0: <laughs> uh, it ties in nicely with uh, 12 and Clara. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Well... Uh Yeah, actually, there's some mentions. There's some mentions of to why Clara experiences things the way she's experiencing them. That's all I'll say.
2: Okay, okay.
0: Color me intrigued. I well, think again, I made that sound more interesting than it is. <laughs> well, maybe I'll explain it when we review it. <laughs> there's a
2: drop line about Danny being dead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's me pointing to my all nose right. and at Sean. yeah. <laughs>
2: So, again, the March book, <laughs> which you could be reading now, is deep, deep time. time. But the review next week is for the February book from the book club, The Drostin's Curse by A.L. Kennedy.
0: Which, uh, you put the T before the S, I think, but yeah, Drostin's Curse. Drostin's Curse. Um, which now I, I spelled a, it right. I'm, I'm afraid, now that I've read ahead, I won't remember <laughs> much <laughs> about that but. That's the, uh, that's the bad thing about reading these so far advanced. But No, I, I did fine with The Legend of Schilder. I'll do fine with Trusted. Space. That's only
2: a week out. So, yeah. you know, I yeah. wanted, wanted to give some of us poor saps a chance to finish the book, actually. So. <laughs> uh, the following week, we're going to do Day of the Doctor for Friday Night Who, um, because we love Day of the Doctor, and why not? So make sure you join in. And, that and for also, more, more reason than that. For more reason than that. Because I finally have that on Blu-ray. Now too. We will be doing Beyond the Doctor with John Hurt and uh, watching 1984. And if you live in speak and listen to the podcast, kindly return it to the library so Keith can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I found another place I can stream it. <laughs> um,
0: so there's that. All right. Well, um, of course, be sure to support this podcast if you can. We have a Patreon link on our website, www.travelingthevortex.com. On the right-hand side of the page, there is a link to Patreon in which you can become a Patreon supporter. If you're already a Patreon supporter, then we thank you immensely for all of your support that you've been giving. This podcast does help us to pay for things like servers and... uh, space and all kinds of stuff, well not space space, but space on a server somewhere uh, and our website. I bought a uh, star. (laughs) (laughs) That also allows us to bring you uh, great things uh, like some of the things that we do at at conventions and interviews and and things that we get. It it, it enables us to continue to uh, produce this show. Uh, you can also obviously click through some of the support links on the website, Entertainment Earth is an option, and Amazon.com. And please consider buying something from our Spreadshirt, show because, uh, Spreadshirt store, because uh, proceeds to that do come back to us, a little more so than even uh, Amazon and uh, Entertainment Earth. And you can find us on the various forms of social media, which include...
1: Facebook, Traveling the Vortex. You can send us feedback there if you want, or you can send it to us on Twitter at... At Travel Vortex, other feedback can be sent to feedback at traveling the vortex or on our websites. There's a nice little form you can fill out. You can
2: also interact with us on the Goodreads Book Club, as we mentioned. And of course, we do do uh, Friday night. We do do uh, Friday night Who every week on <laughs> Friday Night. do do. If you're not familiar of it, we watch Doctor Who every Friday night at midnight and tweet along. So that's a great opportunity. Hashtag Friday Night Who. Anybody and everybody is welcome to join us.
0: That's right. All right, well, if that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.